0: everyone, and welcome to Stantech's fourth quarter 2020 earnings results conference call. Leading the call today are Gord Johnston, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Teresa Jang, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Stantech invites those dialing in to view the slide presentation, which is available in the investor section at Stantech.com. Today's call is also webcast. Please be advised that if you have dialed in while also viewing the webcast, you should mute your computer as there is a 20-second delay between the call and the webcast. All information provided during the conference call is subject to the forward-looking statement qualification set out on slide 2, detailed in Stand Text management's discussion and analysis and incorporated in full for the purposes of today's call. Dollar amounts discussed in today's call are expressed in Canadian dollars and are generally rounded. With that I am pleased to turn the call over to mr. Gord Johnston please go ahead sir
1: good morning and thank you for joining us I'll begin our call today with a look back at 2020 review our progress over the year and provide an update on fourth quarter business performance Teresa will then delve deeper into the financial results and review our 2021 targets and then I'll return to provide closing remarks in 2020 a year marked by unprecedented business disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, Stantec continued to demonstrate our operational resilience. The diversity of our business, our global reach, and our deep connections to our employees, clients, and communities served as strengths as we weathered the storm. The world has changed over the past year and there's been a shift in priorities. Sustainable development is now even more of a priority for governments, organizations, and investors around the world. And that's why I'm so proud that Santec was named the fifth most sustainable company in the world and the first in North America by Corporate Knights. Operating sustainably is good for our employees, good for the environment, and good for the bottom line. With our continued focus on operational performance, we came into 2020 well positioned and our focused execution throughout 2020 drove the best financial performance in Santec's 65-year history. We've also laid the foundation for future earnings growth through the value creators of excellence, people, innovation and growth, which are the cornerstones of the strategic plan we rolled out at the end of 2019. Despite the disruption caused by the pandemic, we were able to deliver revenues that were consistent with 2019 as a result of the dedication of our employees and our focus on efficient project delivery. Through solid project execution and exceptional cost management, we delivered a strong 15.7% adjusted EBITDA margin. Lower interest costs resulting from strong cash flow management and tax recoveries recognized in the fourth quarter further contributed to a 10% year-over-year increase in adjusted diluted earnings per share to make 2020 a record year. We exited 2020 with an enviable backlog that grew organically by 3.1% year-over-year to $4.4 billion representing approximately 11 months of work we've resumed growing through acquisition after a pause early in the pandemic we completed three transactions in the fourth quarter of 2020 and last week we entered into an agreement to acquire GTA consultants which grows our presence in Australia by more than 10 percent these strategic acquisitions have added almost 600 employees to the Santec family in the last four months our balance sheet and M&A pipeline remain strong and we remain well positioned grow through acquisition in 2021 we also achieved a key milestone in the fourth quarter by establishing and defining our 2023 real estate strategy informed by our sustainability targets and our desire to be an employer of choice our objective is to design the workplace of the future this includes offering flexible work arrangements leveraging our top tier in-house workplace design talent and embracing new tools to facilitate distributed work Our strategy is informed by both a survey of our employees' preferred work arrangements and a detailed review of our entire office lease portfolio. Our 2023 real estate strategy has two major components. The first component is the lease space no longer required by the business, and we expect this to drive an increase in in EPS of approximately $0.10 per share in 2021. The second component of our strategy is to implement our flexible workplace model, as leases naturally expire over the next three years. Approximately half of our office space portfolio expires over this three-year period. And with this further reduction in our occupancy footprint, we expect to increase EPS by an additional 25 to $0.30 by the end of 2023. And from a square footage perspective, this translates to an approximate 30% reduction in our existing real estate footprint by 2023 so you can see why we're so excited about this initiative it supports our objective to design the workplace for the future it provides our employees with the opportunity for a more flexible work arrangement it helps to achieve our sustainability objective and it delivers real value to shareholders adding EPS of 35 to 40 cents over the next three years our real estate strategy will play an important role in lowering office-based emissions in support of our commitment to achieve carbon neutrality for 2022 and net zero for 2030. The efficiency of our operations, our profitability, and our sustainability are all woven into our long-term strategy. We consistently come out on top in sustainability ratings across multiple independent third parties. In addition to our corporate nights ranking, Stencek is rated as a climate leader with an A- score by CDP and we're the only firm in our space that has achieved that rating for the last three years. And this illustrates that sustainability isn't something new for Stantec. It's been part of our DNA for decades. Our ISS ESG quality score continues to outperform our peers year after year. And our Sustainalytics rates our ESG score as low, which again is top of class. Now turning to the performance of the business. Revenue held up quite well in the United States for both a quarter and a year. We saw a modest growth in our water business through expansion efforts into our Pacific and US markets in particular. Growing urban populations and climate change are are resulting in significant water scarcity situations. And as an example, we estimate a spend of fifteen to twenty billion dollars over the next fifteen years in Southern California alone to address water scarcity. In October, we announced that we're leading the Pure Water San Diego program. A multi-billion dollar initiative to supply local sustainable water to San Diego's 1.4 million residents and in addition to this Stantec is the prime consultant for the treatment related works on the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California's regional recycled water program and we've also been selected as a key subconsultant on the City of Los Angeles Hyperion 2035 program Stantec is the only consultant with a leading role in these three ongoing flagship projects growth in our energy and resources business was driven by a continued ramp up of renewable power projects and we see significant opportunities for Santa's energy and resources and environmental services business going forward with the the u.s. officially rejoining the Paris Climate Accord partly offsetting this growth was the continued wind down of several major transportation projects in addition our buildings business is still being impacted by the pandemic but we're beginning to see growing momentum in the pivot towards e-commerce healthcare, and other sectors, including the U.S. federal government. Our business development pipeline was very active during the fourth quarter. And in addition to the pure water contract I just touched on, we also announced that we're the prime consultant as part of a P3 team for six public schools in Maryland. We were awarded the design and rehab of nine key bridge projects. And earlier this week, we announced our lead designer role for a heavy repair and overhaul facility design build project for the Washington Metropolitan Transit Authority. Revenue generation in Canada was solid due to our strong focus on our clients and account management programs. We saw organic growth in our water and environmental services businesses during the fourth quarter, partly offsetting a contraction in energy and resources, buildings and infrastructure. We've seen a growing focus on water infrastructure, particularly around irrigation and improved water management, and our teams have have recently been awarded two large irrigation projects in Western Canada. We signed three major hospital contracts in the quarter, including our role on the St. Paul's Hospital project in Vancouver, demonstrating our growing momentum around the pivot, pivot to healthcare currently taking place in our Canadian buildings group. We also announced our participation in the 360 transit, joint, 360 transit Alliance joint venture during the quarter, which will oversee an estimated $28.5 billion in capital investment for Toronto's transit infrastructure organic growth in our UK water business was driven by the ramp-up of the AMP 7 frameworks through 2020. We've increased our market share of these five plus year frameworks meaning mo- winning most of the key water utilities in the UK including Thames Water which is the largest UK utility and serves roughly 15 million customers. The AMP 7 frameworks we've secured total approximately 120 million a year across the UK business securing our backlog to 2025 and beyond. Australia and New Zealand have also begun to adopt the service delivery model. And in 2020, we won key programs with utilities like Sydney Water, Melbourne Water and Brisbane Water in Australia, and with Christchurch, Wellington and Watercare in New Zealand, securing our backlog to 2023 and beyond and totaling roughly $70 million a year. Transportation stimulus funding in the UK and New Zealand are fueling the infrastructure business in these regions, and our recent acquisitions have strengthened our ability to to participate in these key projects in addition growth in our global power and dams and mining business also helped to offset a pandemic related weakness in our global environmental services and buildings businesses during the quarter we signed several projects funded by European development agencies including a contract for the conceptual design of the multi-purpose port on Kirimati Island and on West Africa's regional transportation governance project And we're also awarded the Somerset Dam Improvement Project in Queensland, Australia. And with this award, we are currently working on virtually every major dam improvement project in Australia. Overall, our business performed very well in 2020, and we entered 2021 with growing optimism thanks to the strength of our client relationships, solid backlog, and the positive trends impacting many of our business operating units. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Teresa for a review of our financial performance and our outlook.
2: Thanks, Gordon. Good morning, everyone. Adjusted net income from continuing operations for the fourth quarter increased 28% to 67 million, which represented 7.8% of net revenue. Adjusted earnings per share also increased 28% to 60 cents per share. Q4 earnings exceeded our expectations with net revenue generation slightly stronger and discretionary costs significantly lower than anticipated. Our solid adjusted EBITDA margin of 16.1% was bolstered by approximately 50 basis points as a result of the recovery of claim costs on a historical project. But even excluding this non-recurring item, adjusted EBITDA was very solid, reflecting our success in mitigating COVID-19's impact on organic net revenue growth and gross margin. Also in Q4, strong cash flow generation led to lower than expected interest expense, Earnings were further augmented by the favorable resolutions of certain tax matters recorded in the quarter. As Gord mentioned earlier, we've initiated our 2023 real estate strategy, and as a result, we recorded a non-cash impairment charge of $66.7 million. Turning to full year 2020 results, adjusted net income from continuing operations increased 11% to $249 million in 2020, or 6.8% as a percentage of net revenue. Adjusted earnings per share increased 10% to $2.22 per share. Earnings for the year exceeded our expectations on the strength of our fourth quarter performance and the non-recurring items previously discussed which collectively contributed approximately 10 cents to our EPS. As a result of reduced discretionary spending, adjusted EBITDA increased year over year to $579 million adjusted EBITDA margin increased to 15.7% in 2020, compared with 15.5% in 2019. The claim cost recovery recorded in Q4 contributed approximately 10 basis points to our 2020 adjusted EBITDA margin. Our balance sheet remains in great shape as a result of strong cash flow generation and cash management. We closed out the year with net debt to adjusted EBITDA below our targeted range at 0.7 times. Day sales outstanding was 75 days at the end of the year, a four-day, year-over-year reduction. And it's worth noting that over the last two years, we've reduced DSO by 13 days. And while there will always be factors outside our control that can move DSO in either direction, much of the improvement over the past two years is the result of our increased focus on timely billings and collections as well as proactive management on contract payment terms. Moving on to liquidity and capital allocation, we generated $191 million in free cash flow in the fourth quarter. Annual free cash flow improved 60% year-over-year to $440 million. During the year, we returned $148 million to shareholders, $68 million through the payment of our dividend, and $80 million through share buybacks, On October 8, we strengthened our capital structure through our inaugural bond offering, issuing 300 million of seven-year notes. And we continue to focus on disciplined capital allocation, balancing the returns of capital to shareholders with opportunities to deploy capital towards acquisition activity. Yesterday, we announced that our board has increased our dividends by 6.5%, reflecting our ongoing confidence in our long-term profitability. Our performance in 2020, along with the progress of our strategic initiatives, has increased our earnings expectations for 2021 from the outlook we established in November 2020. The main driver is the cost savings will garner from reduced occupancy costs, which, as Gord mentioned, will add approximately $0.10 per share to 2021 EPS. This will completely offset the absence of the $0.10 we generated from the non-recurring claim costs and tax recoveries in 2020. And we expect to grow 2021 earnings further, driving to an overall year-over-year increase on a percentage basis in the low single digits. We're also today increasing our 2021 targets by raising the top end of our adjusted EBITDA margin by 50 basis points to 16%. This is driven by our continued strong operating performance and our expectation that discretionary spending will stay lower for longer given current travel restrictions. However, given the ongoing uncertainties associated with the pandemic, we've left the low end of the range at 14.5%. We're now expecting adjusted net income to be greater than 6.5% of net revenue, a 50 basis points increase in our target. And we've also raised our adjusted return on invested capital target by 50 basis points be greater than 9.5%. And with that I'll turn it back to Gord for his concluding remarks.
1: Thanks Teresa. Through 2020 we made excellent progress on the strategic plan we launched in December 2019 despite the challenges posed by the pandemic and I encourage you to review our annual report for a more in-depth review of our key accomplishments. As Teresa and I spoke about earlier, our 2023 real estate strategy with the goal of reducing our office lease footprint by 30% over the next three years will result in a material increase to net income and EPS growth. We're also affirming today that we intend to meet our long-term financial targets as set out in our strategic plan by the end of 2023. We enter this year with a solid backlog of $4.4 billion and expect a return to low to mid-single-digit organic growth over the balance of 2021. We're back in the full swing of our M&A program, and we're ready to continue down this path in 2021 with the benefit of our strong balance sheet and a robust M&A pipeline. I wanna close by thanking our employees for remaining steadfast through the pandemic. It's their hard work in continuing to execute our strategic plan and serving our clients that drove record earnings in 2020 while achieving best-in-class sustainability rankings. And we're gonna continue to, to lean on our core values of doing what's right and putting people first as we move forward into 2021 and beyond. And with that, we'll open up the, uh, the call to questions. Operator?
0: Thank you. If you would like to ask a question on the phone lines today, you can press star one on your telephone keypad. If you are on a speakerphone, please make sure your mute options turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Once again, everyone, that is star one on your telephone. We'll take our first question from Jacob Bout with CIBC. Please go ahead.
1: Uh, good morning. <laughs> um, just morning, to, Jacob. had a question. Had a question about the uh, the plan to reduce the office footprint by thirty um, have, percent. Have you polled your employees to to understand how they're feeling about it? Uh, you know, the all getting a little tired of working from home, especially during this pandemic. Yeah, Jacob. In fact, we've we've uh, surveyed our employees a couple times through the pandemic. You know, and we found uh, that, that their thoughts on uh, working at home versus the office has changed a bit throughout early in the pandemic looking back in march and April as we talked to people what they thought they might want to do the response was this is great we want to work from home forever you know uh, but what we found that you know we didn't think that that would be an accurate reflection of the long-term perspective and so as we've talked to folks throughout others in the industry as well you know we found that what people are looking for is a little bit more flexibility where they could perhaps be in the office a couple days a week but also have the flexibility to work at home you know one or two days a week and that's sort of how we're redesigning our office footprint you know we have a a workplace design group uh, in in our buildings group within Stantec and so we're working very closely with that group on what we might do uh, within uh, our company as well as advising other clients and so we really think it's important to have to have those people not work at home exclusively because we have a very collaborative design presence. And so it is important for us to still be able to bring people together. So as we look at at our longer-term footprint with a certain percent uh, still being full-time in the office, uh, another percentage being uh, part-time office with maybe some flexibility to work at home once in a while, but there will be a small subset that we will allow to work at home full-time. And based upon that design, that's where we looked at that roughly a 30% reduction in our uh, in our occupancy footprint. And, and you said there's a 10 cent impact for 2021 and 35 to 40 over the next uh, three years? Yeah, the 10 cents is part
2: of the 35 to 40 cents uh, that, that we expect over the next three years. Okay.
1: Um, my, my second question here is just on... Um, the, the longer-term coverage you have, I think you said uh, your net revenue carrier greater than, than 10%. Um, so clearly MA is, is playing a, a key role here. Talk a bit about how your pipeline is looking, and um, you know, the, the, in, in how um, valuation is looking, and assuming in this market uh, multiples are getting a little stretched. Yeah, so the, uh, the m pipeline is very very robust and you can see of course we've mentioned we closed three announced another one here just in the last uh, three or four months um, what we're finding is that while the pipeline was robust going into the pandemic slowed a little bit as we talked about before through uh, last March April a little bit into June but really has strengthened and you know we've reinvigorated all the discussions that we had ongoing previously but there's been a lot of new conversations that we've initiated really just over the last you know couple uh, couple quarters so pipeline very very strong uh, across all of the geographies where where we're uh, we're active. You know we, it's interesting. Initially in the pandemic, we had hoped that we'd see some um, a reduction in, in multiples, uh, but certainly we haven't seen that. Uh, in the firms that we're talking to, we've seen multiples stay reasonably consistent. You know you've seen some of the larger public transactions that have been announced recently that have had higher multiples, but we really haven't seen that that significance of, a, of an increase in the firms that, that we're talking with. Sorry, and where, where are those multiples, and, and is the focus still small and mid size Yeah, you know, a lot of the firms that we're talking to are seeing the, multiple, the multiples still in that six to nine kind of times range. And, and uh, you know, our our main focus is still in that, that sub-1,000 person firm, because that gives us the opportunity to select... The exact type of firm we want in the geography uh, that, that we uh, that we want to specialize in but you know that said our balance sheet is very very strong uh, the our organization has really matured in the various uh, footprint outside of north america where we're resident and so you know we are as, as larger opportunities come along we'd absolutely look at them but i wouldn't call it a, a change in our strategy you know our strategy is still that thousand person and less but i think you know we now we've got a little bit more flexibility to look at some of these larger ones you know if they're appropriate for, uh, for what we see for our long-term goal. thank you I'll leave it there Great. thanks Jacob
0: we'll take our next question from Chris Murray with ATB capital markets
1: Thanks, folks. Um, good morning. And so, just maybe going back to thinking about the real estate uh, part of the equation. Um, so, just to confirm, so you're talking kind of 25 to 35 cents a, c- a couple years out, that's correct?
2: Yeah, yeah. What we said is we expect okay. about 10 cents in 2021, and on top of that, 25 to 30 cents uh, by the end of
1: 2023. Okay, on top of that. Okay, so I'm just trying to understand the cadence of it. Um, and then just you know, thinking about that, um, there's the earnings piece of it, but there's also um, I guess the, uh, the liability side of, of, of the leases. Um, can you talk a little bit about how this plays into your longer term um, return on invested
3: capital metrics?
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it absolutely uh, will lift our, our return on invested capital because, you know, the the ability to redeploy capital towards other things that otherwise would have been servicing these leases uh, is what the opportunity, uh, you know, a part of the opportunity. So, you know, with uh, the, we, as Gord described, there are these two, kind of two prongs to the strategy. Uh, one is we've looked at space that, that we have determined we, we don't need uh, any longer. And that's uh, where we took an impairment charge. So the, all of those leases have sort of been bundled and modeled and we took about a $67 million impairment charge in the fourth quarter. And so now as we go forward, uh, one, we don't have to incur those lease costs to our PL, and 2 the opportunity to sublease that space will provide uh, sublease income to offset. Uh, and then the second element is, uh, um, again, that there's uh, it's pretty opportune for us in that uh, roughly 50% of our existing leased space is naturally going to expire over the next three years, and so that gives us just a really great opportunity then uh, to um, to not have to impair that space, but as they expire, to be able to you know change and reduce our footprint going forward, and so that's where that uh, that opportunity for the 25 to 30 comes from over the next three years. So those those are really the two key components uh, and, and the way that the, the math works.
1: Okay. Um, now that's interesting. Gore, um, well, just I guess the other question I have for you is just thinking about you know, your longer term net revenue growth. You know, the interesting part about putting in a Kager number um, when you change the timing, um, is that it, it moves around? But you know, if I go back historically, and, and you talked a little bit to it, I think uh, to an earlier question about you know that thousand-person. I mean, there were years that you guys were doing 15, 16 acquisitions a year of various sizes, and then you know a platform every couple of years. Um, is that how we should be thinking about you know the way you think that this unfolds over the next few years to hit that 10 number? Yeah, I, I would think so, Chris, that sort of, you know, we're going to continue with our, you know, we call it the, the sort of the, the base hits, the, the infilling of, of the, the right firm in the right locations, and then, you know, when the timing is right, the opportunity is right, you know, we might look at doing something a little bit larger, as you say, from a platform perspective. Okay, um, and that's all my questions. I'll pass the line. Thanks very much.
0: Okay. Thanks, Chris. We'll take our next question from Frederick Bastian with Raymond James.
4: Hi, uh, Good morning. Quick question for you: Are you comfortable with? Hi, uh, can you uh, can you tell me if you're comfortable with the relative weighting of your five operating units right now? I believe uh, yeah, infrastructure is close to 30%. I mean, you've got um, you got environmental services and energy at both 15%. Um, is this sort of a a place where you're comfortable being uh, at, at equilibrium or is there, uh, are there opportunities to, to grow some of these uh, business units further or at a more aggressive pace on a go-forward basis?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I do think that in particular um, our water business which is currently about 21 percent we'll see continued uh, opportunities for growth there both from an, an organic perspective you know, for the year our, our water business grew organically by you know, just a little bit over four percent so it, you know, it's going to continue to, to grow organically but I do see continued opportunities for us to invest in the water uh, space from an M&A perspective so I see particularly that area our environmental services we're continually looking for, for um, ways to continue to grow that as well so I think you know over time the type of firms that we're looking at are you know, water firms environmental services firms um, and, and also a little bit into transportation and building. So I think those you'll see those as being the primary areas of focus for us. So over time, you know, I, I would like to see the water business and the environmental business grow a little bit more. Um, and so we're putting a particular focus on those areas right now.
4: Okay, great. That's helpful. And in terms of high level kind of priorities for, for this year, would you would you mind kind of maybe flagging or highlighting your, your top three priorities?
1: Sure. You know, Lee, um, after spending a, a couple hard years looking at the, the back office and getting the, the sort of the back of house taken care of um, from an organizational structure perspective and leading the organization and so on, 2020 is really the year where we're focusing on growth, uh, 2021, sorry. And, and um, so we're, we're really focusing on our organic growth programs and, you know, we've had great success over those the last couple of years. We're going to continue to focus on that. We're going to continue to focus on m and um, because you know as we talked earlier our balance sheet is in great shape we've got the maturity and the appetite to continue with that and then also we want to continue to focus on our innovation programs that we had just rolled out in, um, in really th- in a formalized way uh, at the start of last year we see that as a, as a differentiator as we move forward both in terms of new service offerings, new technology offerings that, that we can bring to market so um, you know growth and innovation absolutely we, we will continue to focus on the back-of-house back, back of house operational, without question, but that's always there. But I think you'll, you'll really see a focus uh, for 2021 for us on growth and supporting innovation.
4: Okay, thanks, Gord. Great to hear. Great. Thanks, Frederick.
0: Our next question comes from Mona Nazir with Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning, and thank you for taking my question. Um, firstly, when I'm just thinking about your organic, good morning. Um, firstly, when I'm just thinking about your the organic contraction that you had in the quarter and even the year, it's ahead of a number of peers, um, in spite of you guys having greater Canadian exposure and greater energy mix. I'm just wondering, looking back, what do you think? help shield or insulate the business. I mean, you mentioned in your opening remarks, uh, three new hospital contracts awarded. I'm just wondering if you had to pivot the business to new areas or bulk up expertise in other areas or really was it due to mix? Thank you.
1: Yeah, so thanks Mona. So I think the real focus for us was on our organic growth programs. You know, we had really been focusing hard, you know, last couple of years, but really through 2021, 2020 as well, so that um, you know, not only did our, our backlog grow organically by uh, over three percent through the year, but I think that also was a big driver why our um, you know our, our organic retraction was you know one one point eight percent for the year. Um, but to your point about pivoting, I think that's that's exactly right as well. And, and you know, nowhere did we see that as evident as in our buildings business, where you know the the commercial work that we were doing, restaurant fit ups, new retail. Um, you know, a lot of those projects got pushed off to the right, but we really pivoted to healthcare, particularly in uh, Canada and Australia, and we pivoted towards e-commerce facilities and uh, doing a, a lot of uh, great support. Uh, we have some global MSAs, master services agreements with, um, with, uh, with those firms. So, I think it's really the focus on organic growth through, we've got a number of solid programs, our account management program, we have a corporate campaigns program, a strategic growth initiatives program. Um, so I think those are, are uh, very, very important, uh, and we'll continue to drive growth through 2021.
3: Okay, yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. And when I'm just going through the MTNA, the headcount is stated in there at 22,000. I just wanted to you know, ask, since year end, have you taken any steps to right-size the business in any areas, or are there plans to, in the future, and just, Related to that, how its utilization is utilization
1: sitting yeah, so from a, a headcount perspective, you know absolutely we've had to manage our headcount throughout the year uh, we've we've um, addressed that proactively and in, in managing utilization. We actually saw our utilization rates early in the pandemic spike by uh, three to four percent and then they've sort of come down to more normal type seasonally adjusted levels. but what we' really tried to do uh, in addition was to not go too far from a headcount reduction perspective. Because you know we see that the, the work is there, as you can see from our growth in our, in our backlog. We see the opportunity for good stimulus uh, from a number of different government locations coming uh, here in 2021. And so as a result of that, we wanted to make sure that we had the right team to drive us forward into the future as well.
2: Okay, so
3: would it be fair to say though that any right-sizing that did occur in the year? Because the 2019 headcount was 22000 as well. So any right-sizing that did occur in the year was largely offset by M&A? Yeah, I think that's,
1: that's a, fair, a fair statement,
3: Lauren. Okay, perfect. And just lastly for me, um, and going back to the M&A, it's just really more of a confirmation. I understand you have made a number of smaller size tuck-ins, um, and you did speak about a number of new conversations occurring um, with targeted firms. Um, but given current leverage le- levels, is it feasible that we could see a number of medium-sized transactions, call it four to five transactions, kind of simultaneously or within a shorter timeframe, that could bring in a potential, like, combined 3,000 people over, you know, five or six transactions, or would be that be outside of the targeted pace?
1: You know, I, I think our balance sheet would certainly support that, but it really all depends on the opportunities you know we have to find the the right firms in the right geographies um, that are selling for the have the right motivation to uh, to sell so um, if you know if the opportunities were there uh, we certainly could drive that forward but you know we're not trying to hit a particular quota we want to stay continued um, uh, to be disciplined in our M&A in our M&A strategies what we're paying so that we can see that that long-term accretion uh, to our share price but you know if the right firms come along, you're you're right. We've we've got the balance sheet uh, uh, room to do it.
3: Okay, perfect. So it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibilities. Okay, so that's great. Thank you. No. I'll leave it there.
0: Great, hey, thanks, morning. Thank you. Our next question comes from Michael Tupelm with TD Securities.
4: Thanks, good morning. Morning, Michael. Um my first question relates to your organic uh, revenue growth guidance. Um, you've talked about, or, or you've re- reiterated your expectation for low to mid-single-digit uh, organic growth in 2021, which is consistent with what you had talked about last quarter. I'm just wondering how we should think about that as we, as we progress through the year, uh, including whether or not we should be thinking about year-over-year organic growth in the first quarter being negative, or is that, is that a positive?
1: Yeah, that's exactly where, where our thar- thoughts are as well, Michael. You know, Q1 of this year is comparing against uh, pre-pandemic Q1 of uh, 20. So we, we do still foresee some or- overall organic retraction in the in Q1, but really that, that low to mid single digits is sort of where we expect to be with you know with through Q2, 3, and 4, uh, particularly loaded towards the back half. But we that's sort of a, an annualized number that we would see in that low to mid
4: single digits perfect Thanks. And then just just sticking with organic growth, um, you provided some detail around your expectations for your your geographic regions. Uh, On that front, can you talk a little bit about the thinking behind muted organic growth in the U.S.? Uh, I know your your guidance doesn't incorporate any U.S. infrastructure that may come, but... seems as though expectations for, for overall general growth in the U.S. Are, are fairly upbeat. So, wondering just what's driving the muted outlook there. And I know that isn't any different than you talked about last quarter, but just some thoughts there. And then secondly, any commentary on growth expectations by business operating unit as well?
1: Sure. Well, you know, in the U.S., we were, you know, just sort of being consistent and cautious. We do believe that there will be a, a U.S. Um, infrastructure stimulus package coming out. You know, the, um, the industry thoughts were that uh, President Biden would announce it in February. There was some speculation he might have done it yesterday. But I, I think we're working through some other, you know, he's working through some other things first, of course. So, you know, we do see that stimulus program coming. But again, there's probably going to be, uh, you know, it could be a quarter or two lag from, from when it's announced uh, to when, you know, our industry in general will begin to start gener- generating some revenue from it. So, you know, I think we're just being, being cautious there. But you know, as, as we look at the various um, the, the, the various business operating units, to your, your second question, you know, buildings overall, as an example, um, the commercial market remains challenged. But we've really seen this pivot to healthcare coming uh, in the building segment. And you know, we talked about the, the St. Paul's uh, project in um, in Vancouver, but we were also awarded um, two additional projects with Trillium Health Partners there in the Toronto area. You know, in the Mississauga Hospital uh Queensway, uh, Queensway uh, Health Center the, the Footscray Hospital in Australia So we're seeing a lot of work in healthcare and buildings. We're seeing a lot of pivot to e-commerce You know as many of us uh, you know, People are, are buying more and more uh, things from e-commerce. So we do see you know some good uh, Tailwinds for building coming particularly. We'll, I think we'll see that revenue generation coming in the, the second half of the year as these projects get ramped up um, in our energy and resources Business, we're seeing uh, great opportunities in the pivot to renewables, Uh, solar, uh, wind, uh, hydropower, and and so on. A lot of good good opportunities there, and and of course, because copper and iron ore prices are so high, you know those present really good tailwinds for our our mining business. Uh, In in our environmental services business, uh, you know 2020 was a, a very solid year for that business revenue is roughly flat from 2019 but we're seeing you know really solid backlog in that group and great opportunities to to come see to to see that happening as well Um, just finishing off the the walk around the business operating units you know in in infrastructure our transportation market is is very very strong and and of course we see that grouping and that beneficiary of various stimulus stimulus programs that that will be announced uh, around the globe but we've got a really solid backlog into 2021 already for that group and of course our our community development group is is part of infrastructure as well and you know we see the housing market strengthening in both Canada and the US and it was interesting talking with uh, the lead of of one of our land development clients um, recently he described the market in the southern US as almost frothy because it was so so, uh, so busy and then finally you know looking at water know we had you know really solid organic growth in uh, the water segment in 2020 even despite the pandemic backlog really strong I mentioned a couple of those irrigation projects in Canada you know the the long-term AMP projects in the UK the long-term frameworks awards in Australia and New Zealand and and certainly uh, you know some of the opportunities in Southern California So great opportunities in water you know there's a lot you know when we look at some of the emerging technologies in water like PFAS uh, another advanced tech uh, treatment. You know, we're we're already leading the charge on a lot of those things. Um, so we see opportunities in water scarcity and reuse, and coastal resilience and responsive to sea level rise. So, in general, we you know as as we kind of look across the business, you know, we see positive long term prospects in in virtually all of our opportunities. And it's just going to be a slower ramp up in in some groups rather than others. So that's where we feel pretty comfortable with our over the year. Uh, low to mid-single-digit organic growth.
4: Great, that's that's very, very good color. Thank you, Gord. Um, I'll just sneak in uh, one additional question. Maybe this is uh, for Teresa. Just on the real estate occupancy cost savings opportunity, can you talk about where those uh, savings will actually show up on the income statement? I'm just wondering if this is all through in the minute marketing and, and if that is the case. Um, I'm uh, a bit surprised that there was no adjustment to the admin and marketing expenses as a percentage of revenue guidance which is still in the 37 to 39 percent range.
2: Yeah, well thank you for asking that question because it's actually it's, it's a really important one uh, that we should have highlighted. Um, the unfortunate part of IFRS 16 is that this is really going to show up below the EBITDA line. Uh, now that all of your leasing activities get reflected in depreciation and interest uh, line items, so um, this is, uh, there's going to be a minimal impact on EBITDA uh, on a post-IFRS 16 basis, uh, but it does drop to the bottom line. It is still you know, positive to cash flow ultimately, but unfortunately does not really move the needle on EBITDA.
4: Got it. Thank you.
0: Great, thanks, Michael. All right, we'll take our next question from Sabahat Khan with RBC Capital Markets.
4: Thanks, and good morning. Um, just kind of building off of the last question around the savings and the three-year targets, I guess, how should we think about, you know, the drivers of this, EBITDA margin improvement? I guess this real estate sounds like it's a relatively large contributor, but. Uh, what else is driving, I guess, even the margin improvement if this is sort of below the line as you think over the next two years?
2: Sure. So, you know, as we mentioned uh, in, our, in our 2021 outlook, you know, some of that is going to be driven, we expect, by continued uh, discipline around our discretionary spending. Um, you know, we had expected it to start to ramp up a little sooner in 2021. Uh, But as we pointed to, you know, the the ongoing travel restrictions means that we will uh, likely be able to push that out a little bit farther uh, into the year, if not beyond that. We've also said, though, that, you know, we don't intend to go back to the level of uh, spending that we were incurring pre-pandemic. You know, we've got all of these fantastic collaboration tools. Uh, so we know that the need for travel uh, can can be addressed through uh, these virtual meetings uh, in in a large degree. So you know, the direction we've given to people is you know that when things do open up, uh, we we expect cost uh, savings to continue, uh, but certainly not to the level that we've enjoyed um, in in twenty twenty. Beyond that, you know, we continue to look at uh, our ability to leverage our Pune India operations, uh, which is um, uh, delivers just, you know, uh, excellent uh, delivery uh, for us uh, on both the design side and in our uh, back office. And so, you know, we are driving commitment throughout our business. Uh, for how we can increase uh, our, our footprint there, we're we're still currently in that 400 uh, uh, people range, and so there is a lot of opportunity for us to scale that up. And and so that you know that is, is really effective, um, you know, beyond cost, but from just an efficiency standpoint of having that 24-hour clock uh, uh, to be able to use with the time zone differences, um, and beyond that, then it's you know it, it's continued focus on on discipline. Um, uh, leveraging uh, our Oracle back-end systems that we continue to integrate uh, all of our operations that, again, drive efficiency, um, and uh, those are are really the the main things that we'll be focused on.
1: Okay, so I guess some of the stuff that's on the discussionary side that's going up is some of that maybe offsetting um, the real estate savings if I look at
4: or the net revenue Kager greater than 10%, and net earnings Kager or EPS Kager of about 11% or more. I guess there's always really some puts and takes with the real estate savings
1: maybe being offset by some of the the discretionary spend they were mentioning. Am I might come back?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that that that's a, a reasonable assumption.
1: Okay, great. And then I guess just looking at your, the three targets, the
4: ones that you put out the a for the years, but they did mention that organic growth Kager in there as well. I know you're mentioning the 2021 organic growth will be there. I guess, how are you thinking about 2022 and beyond? Is it just maybe the lack of visibility that's keeping you from putting those targets? How are you thinking about organic growth over that three-year period?
1: You know, we've always talked about our, our net revenue CAGR of, of greater than 10% sort of as, as that number. We haven't really split out organic growth. You know, we, we typically provide our... our our target for organic growth for the current year for 2021, but we haven't really looked at providing organic growth numbers for 2022, 2023. You know, there's a little bit of um, you know, my crystal ball isn't completely clear as I'm not sure anyone is about you know what's going to happen during the latter part of the year when the opportunities will come. But um, you know, if what we've seen even through the pandemic is any indication, um, you know, we're just going to keep focusing on our clients, focusing on the various organic. Uh, growth programs we have, and hope
4: just to continue um, with growth in that area in the years to come. Okay, great. And then um, just kind of one last one on a little bit more on Canada, I guess. I guess based on what you've seen coming out of Q4 with the improving commodity environment, what's your kind of directional view on some of the end markets specifically in Canada? Is it demand picking up directionally as the commodity environment is improving Western Canada, or... Are people still taking a bit of a cautious view until they have a bit more visibility into the the career?
1: Yeah, you know, a, a great great question. You know, so directionally on some of the things, you know, we did talk about in our building segment and some of the healthcare projects that that we've got. St. Paul's uh, two with Trillium there in, in uh, Toronto. So, you know, we're seeing those healthcare projects uh, continuing to move forward on the building side, e-commerce as well, um, solid opportunities in transportation. Uh, as well, you know, we talked about our, our work on the, the 28.5 billion dollar uh, tra- public transit initiative in in Toronto, which will provide good long term opportunities. Um, and, and as well, water. You know, we did talk about those two uh, water uh, irrigation projects that we recently were awarded here in Western Canada. Those are significant projects that are uh, in part funded by uh, by some of the recent uh, you know last uh, last fall. The government of Canada, the uh, some of the infrastructure stimulus programs that they've talked about. So we see good got opportunities in um, in in, uh, in water as well. Environment looks good for us, and and really, you know, from an energy and resources perspective, our the work that we do in the oil and gas segment, as we've talked about before, is really midstream pipeline work, and those projects that that we've been working on uh, are continuing. So uh, you know, we just see well, we don't see significant growth in those areas. It's just long-term uh, you know longer duration contracts, so it gives stability for for uh, you know this year and, and following
4: okay great thanks for the call great
1: thanks evan
0: we'll take our next question from mark neville with scotia bank hey
4: good morning good morning what maybe just the uh, morning maybe just a, a first question Just on the real estate is it
1: over the over the the, the three-year period will there be um, any significant cash costs associated with this consolidation
2: sorry I just missed any significant cash yeah loss.
1: yeah will there be any cash costs associated with this
2: no I know uh, we're not anticipating that no if anything, it will bolster our cash flow uh, through um, through the, the subleasing of that space. So we're not expecting, you know, uh, uh, outflow for you know refitting our space and in terms of capital expenditures or, or leaseholds. If that's maybe what you're asking about.
4: Yeah, i just saying sort of one-time cost or sort of maybe lease stuff like that. But, 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 but
2: no. no, we're not. We're, that, that's not uh, that's not a part of our plan.
5: Okay. Uh, maybe just a question, again, on the three-year plan,
4: um, would the expectation be that your free cash flow is sort of growing in line with your earnings, or do you think there's still an opportunity on stuff like DSOs where you might be free cash flow, grow at a rate above earnings? You know, I
2: think there's always an opportunity. I think we've shown over the last couple of years that uh, that we uh, can move the dial on that pretty dramatically. Uh, how much more uh, there there is, uh, you know, we're always going to try to m- improve on that. So so certainly there is uh, there's a continued focus on it. So I'd say, yeah, there, there is an opportunity. I'm not sure that it will be as dramatic as we've seen in the last couple of years.
1: Okay, okay. thanks for taking that, the questions Okay. Thanks,
0: Mark. We'll take our next question from Yuri Link with Kennecord Genuity. Thank
1: you. Good morning. Morning, Good Morning, Good morning. Good morning. Gord. I just wanted to um, ask another question on the on the real estate footprint. I mean, it doesn't uh, strike you as a bit early to make a, a move like this. I mean, I know you um,
4: you said you, you surveyed your your employees. They, they've done that, you know, at our firm as well. And at first, I was all for it, and now I'm, you know
1: flip-flopping back and forth. I'd love to get back to the office. So just wondering if, you know, it seems
4: to me to be a a little early, um, people can can change their minds. And then beyond that, I mean, how do you control um, talent evaluation, knowledge and utilization, uh, fostering collaboration, which I think is important in the the industry? Maybe just a little bit more detail on uh, the steps you've taken.
1: Yeah, no, uh, great question. So what we've done there is, it, in addition to talking to our staff about what they're looking for, um, you know, we're not looking to have everyone working uh, remotely. You know, as an example, the way that we're looking to roll out our, our footprint is roughly 50% of the people would be still full time in the office. Roughly 30% you know ish uh, would have that ability to be part time in the office and and part time at home, but those individuals won't have a dedicated workspace you know we'll have we'll be looking at reducing footprint because some of that will be like hoteling or you know a temporary use office space and then the you know the remainder would be um, folks that, that could work at home full-time and those would be people who don't have the need to collaborate as much with others uh, so we, we do think it's reasonable it's also going to move over the three-year period as we talked about as, as that 50% of our office space comes available over three years you know, we don't anticipate that there'll be any need to adjust our, our program, but, you know, should we get some huge kickback where the industry changes uh, significantly one way or the other, we still have the opportunity to, to respond, but I don't think that, that, that that'll be the case, actually. And, and the timing to do it
4: now, is it because you feel, you know, you're confident that that's what the employees want, or is it also that, you know, into Mark's question about, um, leases and stuff like that, because it just line up with lease expires. So it's uh, also cost effective, and that standpoint. thing. Yeah, you know, it, it's, yeah, I'm um, to, it's the timing. Just, I'm just trying to get a sense of why, like, why, why do this now? Why not wait another couple quarters?
1: Right. Well, you yeah, know, part of the reason for for looking at it now is that you know we've actually been planning our this real estate program. Uh, actually even from the latter part of 2019 we've been thinking about this we've been talking to staff we've been and so really the um the the, the pandemic just advanced some of those programs you know allowed us to, to try um to try out people working from home is that really what they want and, and work through those things so i think that's that's important the other thing that that um you know in part of the reduction in the square square you know, that 30 percent square footage reduction is that we're also looking to reduce our average square footage per person you know those overall space planning standards because you know we we see um, you know our average square foot per person is lower in you know in Europe as an example than it would be in North America and so as we acquire firms and we bring them on some of these firms have larger you know less less um, you know less efficient uh, square footage consumption of of, uh, of office space per employee, so we're looking to sort of get everyone back to more of a, a standard on, on that. So that that's part of the square footage reduction. Is that part? Part of it is the flexible work uh, re- arrangement part, but really, it's it's the fact that we announced it now is just part of our long term planning that we've been working on for likely eighteen months now. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. thanks for taking the questions and, and uh, solid quarter. And, and I'm happy to see the outlook. Great,
0: thanks, Our next question comes from Maxine Stichev with National Bank Financial.
1: Hi, uh, good morning, uh, um, good morning, Lisa. good
2: morning.
1: What was what, wondering if um, I, I'm not sure if uh, FEMA is already involved uh, in the, the Texas uh, situation. Uh, curious to see, you know, whether you can leverage. Um, you know, grid kind of analytics uh, capabilities to, you know, help out in that geography and and maybe how the business might might evolve uh, over time. Yeah, you know, that's a great perspective. And you know, the work that um, that our newly acquired that we had previously within STANTec, but certainly bolstered it through the acquisition of Teshmot, really supports that sort of grid strengthening uh, type work that that will require that, that will need to be done in Texas. You know. The, the fact that, that that Texas Grid wasn't winterized and ready for a storm like that has been known for a decade or more. Uh, I guess what'll be interesting now is is whether the the regulator uh, and of course the you know the citizens of Texas will will actually require some of that 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 work to be done. But you know we've known this work has needed to be done since I believe there was an ice storm in 2011, and and the results of that were, were very similar, uh, and really no work was was done at that point. So you know. It, um, we we've got the, all the skills. We've got great relationships, and so you know, should the the funding come available to actually make some adjustments this time, you know, we're we're ready and willing to uh, talk about. We've had some discussions already there, but you know, I'm not sure that there was have got anything meaningful from a contract perspective at this point. Okay, that's helpful. And, and Gordon, maybe just a big question of um, obviously as. Um, um, you know, the fleets are being electrified, and I'm talking about, you know, the passenger cars and, you know, some of the, the you know, buses and, and things like that. Is there a, a great opportunity for you guys to, you know, benefit from that given sort of all your green credentials? You know, I do think so, Max, because you're right, as, as more and more people have, you know, a, electric cars and they all bring them home in the evening to, to plug them in, you know the grid in the majority of, of our uh, communities can't support it and so um, there will be a lot of grid strengthening work required um, certainly our, our so our the work that we do there from a grid perspective uh, will be required we also have through our innovation office one of our first um, innovative business opportunities that relates to connected and autonomous vehicles so we're coming at it from a number of perspectives first the connected on autonomous vehicle work that we're doing to consult with clients on how they would roll it out and a lot of that is planning for the vehicles planning for the infrastructure uh, looking at things like charging stations and and, and grid strengthening requirements um, and, and so it, it's all part of the the overall package that, that we're putting together it, as you look at um, you know other other areas like um, uh, zero emission buses you know that, that the Canadian federal government rolled out a while ago uh, we we're uh, you know we've done a lot of work on zero emissions buses charging stations and and in fact on this one we're working with the CIB to help administer that program so lots of opportunities from numerous different perspectives Uh, max whether it's on the design side the program management side the technology side uh, we're you know we're all over these opportunities from uh, whichever way that, that we can service our clients okay, that's helpful. And then maybe just a couple of clarification points, if I may. Uh, Gord, I think you, you talked about you know housing obviously being very robust right now. Um, I mean, historically, your land development practice was obviously pretty prevalent in, in, in that. Uh, I mean, are we seeing a pickup in, in this vertical and to which extent and how big is it right now? Our land development practice, or we call it community development, currently is in the eight percent range of our of our overall revenue and it's it's been plus or minus a little bit in that area and while I see it strengthening a, a little bit over the next little bit Max, I don't um, see it being you know dominant in, in our in our overall revenue mix as it was say back in 2008 2009 before the u.s. financial crisis you know I, I see it being in that eight nine percent range maybe up, up to ten but you know it was up to thirty five percent back in 2008 we'll see nothing like that again Thanks. But I guess my point is that I mean businesses is, is, should be pretty good right now. Man. Yes, I, you know absolutely, and even locations like you know we're in Edmonton here today that had slowed, but we've really seen some great strengthening in the markets in Edmonton and Calgary, um, certainly GTA, but really in the southern states is where we're seeing a significant pickup in in um, in opportunities. Okay, that's super helpful. And last one, the, the same question in terms of mining. Obviously, the commodities are on a stick right now. Um, do you mind maybe uh, reminding us your level of exposure and how that uh, could be growing, let's go to the next 12 to 18 months as uh, producers are you know, shopping their pencils on, on, on Greenfield and brownfield projects? Yeah. So, our, our mining practice currently is just a little bit less than 5% of the overall revenue uh, generation of the company. Uh, but we have, you know, early on in the pandemic, we saw uh, mining dropped off as, you know, Peru and some of the places in South America closed the mines due to due COVID. But certainly we've, we've seen those, um, you know, working around how we can get uh, staff into the mines to continue to work. Um, copper prices, you know, of course, all-time highs. Iron ore prices, very, very strong gold uh, as well. So we are seeing a, a pickup in our mining work in South America, uh, Western Australia. In other locations uh, as well, so I I do see positive tailwinds uh, for mining and in, in the, the foreseeable future. Uh, also, you know, we're active in some other things like lithium. You know, we've been doing some work on some lithium mines, an in, in example. And you know, as as we get more and more towards battery storage, battery technology, you know, we can see additional um, you know opportunities coming in that area as well. Okay, that's super helpful. Thank you so much, Stephanie.
0: Yeah, thanks that. As a reminder everyone that is star 1 on the telephone to ask a question. We'll take our next question from Benoît Poirier with Desjardins Capital Markets.
5: Yeah, good morning everyone and congratulations for the quarter. Uh, just just to come back on the real estate question with, with respect to the optimization plan you provide great color about the, uh, the the potential impact in the years to come but when looking at your average square feet per person is it kind of a, is it an opportunity to uh, to to get closer to uh, your peers or it's really leading the pack and uh, lowering the, uh, the, the average square feet per person and try to, to, to really make uh, North America more comparable to Europe
1: yeah we're you know we're it, it's a little bit of both actually that um, certainly the European average square footage per person is is lower than we would see in North America in our industry uh, not just for us but where our, our competitive set uh, and, and overall so you know we're we're doing what we believe is the right thing. Uh, as we've talked with our clients, we've talked with our space planning group where we can get. So you know we're I don't think that we're looking to um, to, to to lead the charge and set the lowest possible square footage per, uh, per employee You know that's really not our objective. We want to ensure that we're we're doing the right thing, balancing cost optimization with ensuring that our employees feel feel um, feel feel positive about their work environment. Uh, that they want to come to the office, they want to collaborate. So I think it's a bit of a balancing act, Benoit, um, as we look to, to optimizing that real estate footprint. Okay, that, that's great, color.
5: And looking at the backlog, was there anything in particular that drove this sequential decline? I mean, you, you grow organically on a year-over-year basis. Is it purely a matter of FX-era work?
2: There, there are really a, a couple of things that, um, in looking at our backlog that uh, transitioned from the third to the to the fourth quarter um, a part of it was uh, the foreign exchange in, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the strength of the of the US versus Canadian dollar um, and we do typically see um, that that book to burn uh, that goes down from the third to the fourth quarter uh, with fourth quarter being a little bit of a, a slower season for us uh, those are the, the two large contributors. And we did note uh, in our MDNA as well you know that, that we have now changed our, uh, our contractual relationship on the Trans Mountain which was going to be a slightly you know, bigger chunk of revenues was within our backlog. Uh, but uh, that relationship has changed such that now um, we, we've removed some of that out of our backlog. So that was really sort of the quarter over quarter change.
5: Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great, Collar. And looking at the DSOs, obviously very strong performance over the last year. Uh, How should we be thinking uh, with respect to 2021, whether we should uh, be more cautious in terms of uh, DSOs? Uh, How should we be thinking on that front?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we're feeling very positive about where we're at um, recognizing we, we left our target at 90 days, and we probably could and should have tightened that up a little bit, um, but, but truly, you know, we feel like we're in a, a really good space uh, around this sort of 75-day uh, day mark, so we're not anticipating, you know, a, a large move upward uh, in DSO. We just wanted to make sure that we left room for, you know, inevitabilities around things that are out of our control that may cause DSO to, you know, to move in, in either direction.
5: Okay. Thank you very much uh, for the time. Thanks, Benoit.
0: Thanks, And that does conclude the question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back over to Gore Johnston for any additional or closing remarks.
1: Great. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us on the call today. We look forward to speaking with you in the near future about uh, our continued uh, progress. So thanks again. Uh, Have a great day and uh, stay healthy. Thanks,
2: everyone.
0: Thank you. And that does conclude today's presentation. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.